You're listening to The Itch, Rock Matters. My name is Casey. My name is Dan. And I'm Aaron. And this week, we're going to discuss Head P.E. and specifically Broke, their breakout album, and then their most recent release, Class of 2020. Yeah, kind of celebrating 20 years of Head P.E., or as they are also known as Head Planet Earth, which is just weird, by the way. (laughs) I read somewhere that the head part stood for something at one point as well. seems like they've gone through a few uh, various meanings to their name. Yeah, because they also tried to make the P.E. stand for something different every time they had an album put out. And then he just, <laughs> I guess, gave up. It was originally Planetary Evolution was yep. one, of the, one of the things. And originally they were just called Head and it stood for Higher Education. And then... My guess, they changed the name probably on account of somebody else had the name Head, like already legally accounted for. A number of bands have had that happen to them where they had to slightly modify their name because somebody else uh, had it. There's a band called Death From Above, 1979, that had to add the 1979 because when they formed their band, somebody was like, nah, we're Death From Above. (laughs) And then this band got way bigger. And then so eventually they're like, let's just low key drop the 1979 and see if anybody notices and nobody (laughs) noticed. And now they're good. Blink 182 is another example of that. Were they just blink originally? Yep. Until they Ah. got sued and they had to add the 182 on it. What's 182? (laughs) Is that an area code or something? No idea. (laughs) I had to Google that. I don't know. (laughs) I've wondered that for the longest time. What is the 182? And the reason I've wondered is because I've never bothered to actually look it up. Uh, but yeah, no, with Head P.E., there's there's five different ways that they've gone with, with their name. The Head head P.E. is, you know, P.E. is capitalized and no abbreviation. Uh, they've also been known as Head Planet Earth. It's also been stylized as parentheses, Head with an upside down E, P period E. Uh, it, it's, it's just very interesting how many different versions that they've gone with of their name. Yeah, they're a band that has largely stuck to their stylization for pretty much their entire career that that head in parentheses with the e like upside down backwards i do i do have to jump in and say something real quick so they're they classify themselves as g-punk so gangster punk basically and if you do some research to g-punk and click on it there's like eight artists and six of them are head (laughs) p.e All the different variations of how they spell their name. So what you're saying is that there was some hardcore editing needing to be done on that page. (laughs) And there's actually only a couple of artists that classified themselves as G-Punk. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I would would agree with that, though, to be honest. like Because it is a fusion of, I guess, gangster rap and punk rock. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And nowadays, uh, like the last three or four albums, they've also infused reggae into their music, too. Definitely. Which is definitely not a bad way to go, especially since you can t- he's <laughs> the lead singer's name is Jared. And you can tell, especially with listening to the newest album, that he has lived a hard life or or, or uh, just live fast. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, these guys got big. At the same time as like a lot of other like rap metal yes. was, and they definitely are somewhere in that realm. But uh, 
I mean, they're guys that came out of like a hardcore punk kind of background. And I will tell you this compared to, you know, your, your Jonathan Davis and Fred Durst and I don't know, those dudes from crazy town or whoever we know was popular, <laughs> especially in the rap rock things compared to most of them. Jared seems legit. Like I look at that dude and I hear him speak and I'm like, that dude is definitely an actual gangster. <laughs> yeah. He, he's, he doesn't come across as a poser or, you know, just your like generic, angry white boy. Cause he's not a generic, angry white boy. Um, <laughs> yeah. That, that dude's legit. He's like an actual punk rocker. And, uh, He's kind of, uh, to be honest, uh, scary. <laughs> He's got his tattoos and piercings, and he had those like white out contact lenses. Oh, when he first came out, he had like super, super long dreads too. Right, just like in one episode we mentioned uh, that I wouldn't fight Ice Cube, I wouldn't fight Jared either. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. Although I will have to say, I think he'd mess me up. He's not as big <laughs> as you might think he is, but I'm sure he has a higher pain tolerance. <laughs> yeah yeah that could be because of all the drugs he's done yeah. who knows? it could be that too i know I, I honestly i have a lot of respect for jared he's because i've gotten to meet him on a couple of occasions and, and everything every single time i've met him he, he's nothing but respectable and just willing to have conversation no matter what the situation like one of my favorite memories uh was the jägermeister tour i want to say back in 2005 and it was a band called Stereo Mud, which most of these bands are probably not a thing. So a band called Stereo Mud, a band called Systematic. And then the rest of the lineup was pretty good. It was Breaking Benjamin, Head P.E., and Saliva. And when Saliva was playing, we got out of the pit area because we didn't really care to see Saliva that much. That's We weren't there to see them. We were there to see Breaking Benjamin and Head P.E. And it was one of the coolest experiences of my life because we didn't realize it, but we were sit- standing right by the back door to the like the dressing area and stuff. And so I got to meet all these different like artists and lead singers without even realizing it. Like I just, Oh, Hey, that's Ben Hurley of breaking Benjamin. Oh, that's, that's the lead singer of systematic. Uh, it, that's, that's Jared. That's, that's Jared right there. Like that's, <laughs> that's kind of how my, my, my night went. And it was really funny. What the funniest part of that was that one of the reasons why, why we were over there is because one of my friends got really, really tired. And he actually ended up falling asleep on a bar stool during the saliva set. <laughs> so, while, while he's off in the background sleeping, I was meeting every band member I could possibly meet <laughs> and getting autographs and, and uh, just asking them, asking questions. And, and uh, Jared was really awesome. I will say that like when I first came up to him, he was watching saliva play. And so he didn't really talk right away. He kind of just stood there and, and kind of pointed the, to the set. And so as soon as they were done playing their song, that's when he kind of started talking to me. So that's what I meant. Like he's just very respectable in the sense that he's, he was there to respect saliva and their set and he wasn't trying to take away from their, their attention. But and he, then he took the time to to talk with me after the, after the song and, and just had, you know, he signed my shirt. I still have that signature on one of my favorite shirts where head PE is actually riding a giant joint that looks like a rocket. It's, it's a <laughs> fantastic shirt. <laughs> I will say that like the head PE also, I have some of my favorite band t-shirts are head PEs. Like I had one that was very uh, controversial in high school that I, I couldn't wear in high school because it had Ooh. a big pot leaf on the front and the design of American flag. And on the back, it said United. We smoke divided. We choke. And so I love to turn that, that inside shirt. out. 
Yeah, I did have to turn a lot of shirts in high school inside I feel, out. <laughs> I feel like you might have worn that in college. I did. You did. I wore it as much sure as I, I possibly could. Yep. <laughs> he had to compensate for high school, so he wore it all the time in college. Yeah, because like I, I had a, a t-shirt that was uh, the original Metallica album for Kill 'Em All. It was called Up Your Ass, and it had a uh, <laughs> it had a, a picture of a toilet with a hand sticking out and a knife. And oh it's my! The, oh, it was called Metal Up Your Ass. I'm sorry, Metal Up Your Ass. I just I and, just clenched right now. That, yeah. That. <laughs> and so I wore that to I wore that to school and a teacher actually came up and taped something over the word ass. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> not, so I walked the- all I walked around all day with like a little piece of paper covering up the ass part of my shirt. But not the shiv coming out of the toilet. No, nope. there was nope. still a toilet shank yep. happening on your shirt. Yeah, it was, as long as they didn't see that profanity, no, no ridiculous. That's what I always thought was so weird about uh, censorship. Just like, oh, the word is terrible, but you know the the shiv going up your ass is perfectly fine. Don't worry. <laughs> That's awesome, KC. Do you have any favorite band T shirts? I'm curious now. Uh, I, think this is a good, I think this is a good topic to, to <laughs> I, spin I, off I on a- for a second. I had a few band t-shirts like the who and a couple other bands that I got shirts. But the problem that I always have is they don't always have my size. Uh, That makes sense. I've had that problem at some shows as well. I understand. Yeah. So a lot of my shirts was when I was like 12, 13, 14. And then after that game over, (laughs) I've bought a couple of shirts at shows and then got home and tried them on and they were too small. And I felt terrible because I'm like, I wasted my money. I mean, I supported the band, but I don't didn't get a shirt out of it really. Right. And then my most recent band t-shirt purchase was uh, last year. I think it was a band called mother mother and it's a great shirt. It's like a, their album was called dance and cry. And so like it's a skull and out of one of the eyes, there's like a bright, like yellow light that's supposed to signify like, I guess like happiness, like the dancing part. And then the other one, there's like a blue, this like blue spot that's supposed to resemble sort of like more of a tear. I don't know. It's one of the cooler shirts I've had, but I got that one home and realized it was too big. And I'm like, so that, that was disappointing in a different way. I was like, man, I was just trying to be play it safe. Now I can't really wear this either. Cause I'm swimming in it. You got to shrink them. Yeah, I tried, man. I might just have to keep putting it through the wash until it fits. <laughs> I feel like I should clarify the re- the reason why they don't have my size is I need anything to be tall. So yeah, no matter how many X's there are, if, <laughs> if, it's, if there's no T in it, I can't wear it. <laughs> I feel you on that one too. And nobody sells tall sh- t-shirts at, at concerts, especially no, <laughs> barely even on websites and stuff. Yeah. I feel you. I also have a, a project 86 shirt that has survived probably a decade or so. I still wear it to this day as a, well, it's one of my last like shirts from that era for one. And it's still in remarkably good shape considering how much I wear it. So, you know, kudos to whoever printed that. <laughs> nice. I can't shout them out by name because I don't remember and I'm not going to go find the shirt right now. <laughs> but Yeah, but I was a huge fan of Head P.E. in high school. It was kind of the first hip hop rock band that I really got into. And it was for me, it was game changing, so to speak. Um, it was also the first one of the first uh, black led rock bands that i even knew about it was so new to me like you know I, I knew classic rock don't get me wrong but just the i don't know like the like you said he, he's kind of an intimidating guy so to speak and just seeing him up on stage and, and all the dreads moving around and him screaming so loud 
it was just it was an incredible experience seeing him like I, that's why i just kind of like cling like clung on to the band and, and just i loved everything that they did uh, well up until 2004 um <laughs> but one of one of the things i will have to say real quick so that jägermeister concert that i was talking about one of my favorite parts of that show and like one of the the things I will never forget to this day was that when breaking Benjamin started playing a song called sugarcoat, Jared came out on stage and he just stood there. And so breaking Benjamin's playing, they're playing. And then in a, there's a part in, in the chorus of sugarcoat where Ben kind of sings. And instead of Ben singing that Jared screamed it. And it was like the best vocal, <laughs> like guest appearance. Pos- like it was almost like it was written for Jared to sing that part. Uh, and it was just amazing. And then when Head PE took the stage, they played the song called Feel Good, which features Serge Tankian on the album. Mm-hmm. But Ben Hurley came out and sang his part. And it was just see, that was one of the first concerts I've ever seen where artists kind of came out and helped support each other on stage and, and did the guest cameo singing. And it was just it was perfect. It was one of the the greatest uh appearances like i said it just seemed like they wrote those parts for each other at least well i mean obviously feel good was written by serge tankian or that part was written for serge tankian or he wrote it i don't know how that goes but but seeing it live was just incredible and that that to me was one of the most other than meeting everybody at that show was one of the most memorable things of the one about that concert of all time i think it's really cool when that goes both ways so was saliva the headliner yes so those two bands were in the middle and they both came out for each other's songs is what you're saying. That's exactly correct. Okay. I, th- I think it's really cool. I've, I've seen a lot of occasions where the headliner will bring out like a, somebody from one of the opening acts to feature on a song somewhere, but not usually it happening back and forth within a show. And so that is pretty sweet. Do they happen to have anybody in there for Morgan on that song? Cause that song also features uh, Morgan from Kitty. No, Jared just screamed that part himself. He just because Morgan was screaming. So he just. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but actually speaking of that. So Lincoln Park is was notorious for that. They always brought out people on their last uh, on their last song as well to sing uh, One Step Closer. Yeah. And one of the times I got to see them live head P.E. open form. It was head P.E. The executioners and Lincoln Park and the executioners were fucking awful. Uh, really? <laughs> yes, I'll get into that in just a second. Um, I guess it shouldn't surprise me because I only know one executioner song and it was the one like with Lincoln Park. Yes. But still. So Lincoln Park invited Jared out to sing One Step Closer. And again, with his screaming voice that and him and Chester at the same time, it was it was just awesome. And, it's, and I think that's one of the reasons why I got into them more, because every time I seen them live, they were with another great band and they always kind of helped support each other and feature feature each other's in, in, in their songs. It was just it was just an incredible experience for somebody who had never got to see that before. Cause every one of the bands that I'd seen prior to that were such big bands that they didn't need anybody's help on stage. It was like Metallica and, uh, and, uh, Jerry Cantrell and days of the new, they didn't want people on stage. It was their show. Right. And so, yeah, it was, I think that's one reason I got into it. Now the executioners, one reason why I say that they're terrible, I think it was just, at least in that show, it was their placement because head PE came out. They played a hell of a set. They got the whole crowd into it. That whole family arena was jumping. And then the executioners came out and people actually sat down on the floor while they were playing. Like it was just for context, for context, the executioners is a group of DJs, right? Yep. Yep. It is. And so, I mean, even just even just in terms of making sense, oftentimes a DJ is what you'll have at the beginning of a show, like almost as like the MC or like introducing this show. It would 
to me, uh, I mean, usually concert bills go in order of like perceived like popularity or size. So maybe this was one that, I don't know, maybe this was at the time the executioners had that one song and they were kind of a hot thing for a minute. But uh, it would definitely seem to make more sense, even just strategically, to have your DJs open and like set the table for the bigger, more energetic bands to play. Yeah, you would think. <laughs> but they didn't. And that's why nope. people sat down. <laughs> yeah. It, and it was just it was weird because like like I said, you just had so much energy from head PE set. They got off the stage and then like executions came out. I mean, their set was cool, but like it wasn't. It wasn't it didn't have anywhere near the amount of energy as head PE did because you have three guys standing in front of turntables and they're just doing their thing. They're not jumping around the stage and getting the crowd into it and, and then this and that. And so you need a hype man. You yeah, need exactly. a hype man if you're going to do that. Exactly. And then Linkin Park came out and killed it. So it didn't really matter anyway. But <laughs> Everybody's happy. So they were just the, the breather. That's what execution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some concerts need that. I didn't think that that particular show did, but. I'll say um, I'm, I'm not a terribly big head PE fan. There are things about them that I really like and things about them that I have a hard time getting past. But to your point about them, like working together with other bands, they are like when we say they're like a punk rock band, like at heart, that also includes like the DIY part, the whole thing of like, like they really seem to value independence. They've got horror stories about their time when they were with like bigger labels and like they, they're a band that, that that clearly you know wants to be who they are, and they they want to yeah like have that freedom to be themselves, to market themselves, and to and so those kind of bands uh, they tend to be really good for like I don't know the local scene. They tend to really have a heart for helping other bands as well, if that makes sense. And so uh, it it makes sense, total sense to me that they would be out there like being the guys who are paying close attention to the other acts on the set and trying to support their friends and stuff. Cause that's when you're a DIY situation, when you're out there trying to do it yourself and make your own band big. Well, first of all, it just helps to network. <laughs> and then second of all, like those bands, they just tend to stick together and they tend to support each other. Cause everybody's success is kind of dependent on, on that. You know, it's, it's helpful to have friends if you want, if you want to get anywhere. And it's and it, it tends to be a good thing to just be nice to people, too. And so, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. What the, the stories you're telling about their relationship to like the other bands on the tour. Yeah. And it just kind of adds to the, the grind of trying to stay on top of it. Yeah, they seem very legit in terms of like, I guess, street cred, maybe yeah. it, it would be a good way to put it. Um, like, you know, they are who they are and they work hard this class of 2020 is their 13th album that they've had in just over 20 years. I think their first one was like 97 maybe. And that's an album every couple of years. And even if you, you know, take into consideration that they've had huge lineup changes over the years and that yeah, really Jared is head PE at this point, as Dan has said before, when we were talking about doing this show, even if you take that into consideration, you still got to give them some credit for work ethic that they're, they're putting something or another out fairly consistently. Yeah. And one of the things that has drawn me so much to this band is Jared's ability to be very intimate with his lyrics. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of lyrics that I don't like. There's a lot of things that I love about his lyrics and there, you know, certain songs, like one of my favorite songs of all time by them is a song called pack bell, um, which I have very, very close 
like association with somebody that that reminds me like every time I listen to that 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 song vividly vividly describes somebody from my high school years mm-hmm. uh to in my life so there's there's certain songs that I absolutely love that he gets real intimate he kind of you know puts himself out there like especially in the album blackout it's all about how he was betrayed by a friend and he just couldn't believe that that you know he basically felt like he didn't know who to trust anymore because he, he was so he was backstabbed so uh, so badly. And I don't exactly know what happened, but you can kind of tell throughout that that whole album of Blackout that he was he he put a lot of trust into people that didn't feel the same and kind of you know used him for whatever they felt the necessary. And, mm-hmm. and so I love some of his lyrics, and then on the flip side of that, I hate a lot of the lyrics because it, it's your typical hip hop in the sense that he uses the n word way too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is very, uh, homophobic in his lyrics and, and a lot of hip hop artists are, and then he's also a misogynist in a lot of his lyrics. And so it, it, it's both ways. Like I, I do like the intimacy of the songs where he kind of puts himself out there and his feelings and stuff and, and felt like, you know, when he was betrayed, but then on the flip side of that, I don't like when he is, uh, hating other groups basically. I'm glad that you brought that up because I was listening as I was listening through broke. I, I kind of picked up on the same thing. I'm like, there are sometimes when I, I really enjoy listening to him in terms of, of what he's saying. And then there are other times when I'm like that, it was either just too, too profane. Like yeah. I'm, I'm fine. If there's a place for like profanity and stuff in music, I get it. But there does come a point where you're like over the top and he goes over the top sometimes. And then there are times when he's just saying things about women that I'm like, mm, I am not really cool with you saying that, bro. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, it, it's real hit or miss on the lyricism. So I'm glad that you're, you know, wanting to paint an honest picture of the guy. Well, and if you want to know profane, listen to the album only in America. The whole album is just it's garbage. I'll be quite honest. Like, <laughs> I absolutely love this band. And, you know, I th- obviously broke was was what actually broke is one of my favorite albums of all time. Uh, there there is just something about every song on that album that I absolutely love. And then you get into blackout and blackout is good, but you can definitely tell that it was a forced album in the sense that he was really fighting the record company on that album because broke was so successful that they wanted another broke album. But he didn't want to do another broke album. He wanted to do his own album. And that kind of turned into blackout it was his attempt at kind of being another commercial commercially successful album but he just didn't have his heart in it you can kind of tell like there's a lot of the songs that just are blackout is is definitely them at what seems to be like their least themselves for better or worse it's the it is the attempt at mainstream breakthrough whereas broke broke was like they're a big thing for them but it broke if you listen to it it's definitely not a a deliberately like commercial album it came more natural yeah it just happened that it that people liked it and it caught on whereas in blackout you can tell that they were exactly what you said they were kind of going for a little more like radio friendly kind of thing and it just they're not a band that that really worked for and i say that as somebody who the song blackout is possibly my favorite head be song it's definitely really high up there but the rest of that album, I totally understand what you're saying. You know, back in the day, singles were everything. And I, and a lot of the times, if you had such a successful single, the record company wanted everything to sound like that. You know, we talked about Glycerine 
uh, last week. And I really feel like, you know, that was kind of like the, the way that they were kept pushing Bush to, to make more songs that sounded like mm-hmm. Listerine and, and, and the single, the last single, I think one of the last singles off of broke was the meadow. And that yep. song took off. I mean, it's, it's a great song, but it's not head PE. Like you can't right. listen to that song and be like, Oh, this is what head PE sounds like. Cause it's not, it's not at all what they sound like. The meadow and, and, uh, and bartender were the big, the, the particularly big ones on broke. And I think you're right on that. Those are not the songs that are representative of who they are the most. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was, it was just fantastic. Broke was so awesome. And Blackout was, was a good follow-up. Don't get me wrong. I, I think it was still a great album. There's some things that, that could have definitely been changed or uh, switched up. But, you know, there's some great things about that album, too. Like, wasn't Suck It Up on the Madden 2003 soundtrack, Casey? Yes, it was. Yes. You are correct. Yeah, and with with suck it up, it's funny because the way he sings that, it doesn't sound like he's saying the words suck. So it's no, like, it does not. It's like how did this how did this pass into a Madden game? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure we would have to edit that one if we played it on the radio, just because somebody would be like, "Oh, we don't believe you that he's saying suck." Exactly. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't We'd care what people get- believe. I still played it. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to get canceled for a misheard profanity, not even an actual profanity. <laughs> hey, we almost got canceled for a misheard profanity anyway, from me saying uh, somebody it. thought I said shit. Yeah. Push when it. I when we were playing push it, they thought uh, I said bullshit or something like that. Yeah, like, no, because <laughs> they called in like you just said shit on the radio. I said, no, I didn't. So first yeah. of all, no. <laughs> Second of all, if he did. I mean, I've only said it one time, only one time in the 16 years we've done our show. And it was because I was trying to get people to go go out and vote. And I was so passionate about people getting out to vote that I said, if you don't believe your vote counts, that's bullshit. And I was like, oh, crap. And and even then, you kind of still self-edited yourself. Yeah, because I caught it like right at the last second. So I cut off the T. I was like, bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) He's self-censored live on air. (laughs) Yeah. Adventures in radio, people. If you're ever on the radio, now you know how to do it. Dan will teach a master class and <laughs> leaving off the last letter of your profanity so you can get away with it. So speaking <laughs> of profanities, let's go ahead and talk about only in America. Yep. Because so and I could be talking out my butt. <laughs> I could be talking out my rear. See, that's a great example of self-censored right there. He <laughs> just <laughs> his rear, everybody. Yeah, could be talking out <laughs> my rear, but uh, so from what I understand, Jared, otherwise known as MCUD, that was kind of his rap name. MC Underdog is a, is a is an okay enough name. MCUD is weird because I just I mean you, I read it. It's MCUD. So I'm like <laughs> MCUD sounds stupid. Like <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of it that way. Every time I see it, because it's written out just like that. It's MCUD. Oh. Well, there's a song where they ripped off a uh, Biggie song on uh, their self-titled album where he's like, MCUD, can't you see? Your ship hypnotizes me. Nope. Uh, <laughs> so that's why I've never thought of it as M-Cut. I've always thought of it as okay. MCUDs because no. of that song. Musical cues really do a lot. I did not have that musical cue, so he was he was M-Cut to me. <laughs> like, this is why I'm just going with Jared. Yeah, so... <laughs> After the Blackout album, Jared wanted to do a solo album. And from what I understand, he went to record company after record company trying to pitch his solo album and nobody wanted it. 
NPE also left their record company in 2004, Jive Records, and they decided to just go ahead and push out an album called Only in America on, I don't know if it's Coke Records or Cock Records. <laughs> K-O-C-H. I'm going to say Coke. Yeah. Or Coke. Let's call it Coke. On Coke Records on October 19, 2004. And from what I understand, the whole album only in America is stuff from his solo album as he just basically put the head PE name on it. And cause that's also the same time that most of the band members left the first yeah. time. I was just getting ready to say, is that why the vast majority of the band left around this time? Yeah, because he, he basically took over head PE and said, you know what, if I can't, and this is again, my opinion, I, I could be completely wrong, but he basically stated that since, you know, he can't be a successful solo artist that he's just going to be head P that he is head P. And and since then he pretty much has been. And so, yeah, they released only in America. And after listening to this album, there's no doubt that if I was a record company uh, executive and somebody brought me this, I I would have told them the same thing. No, hell no. (laughs) Are you kidding me? I mentioned that there are a few things that I appreciate about this band. And one of them is that for pretty much the entirety of their career, every album, they've used the same logo on it. This is the first time that they did not is on only in America. They, and then there's only one time later on that we'll get to where they do something different. Yeah. Only in America. It was garbage. I, I hated it. <laughs> and you know, the, I, I will say that I saw them live after they put out this album and I had not heard the album before seeing them live. And unfortunately when I saw them live, they only played songs from that album and I was pissed. I was so pissed. I stopped listening to this band for years and I'm oh. not even playing. Like I, I literally <laughs> didn't, I, I didn't from, from 2005 and until probably I want to say 2010. Yeah. I, I didn't listen to this band for five years because I was so pissed off at seeing them live and it was just a terrible show. They played all crap <laughs> from that only in America album. He just sat there and bitched and rant the whole entire show. You know what? I remember that because uh, we each, when we first started doing the itch, on KCLC kind of came in with a couple of bands that were like our bands, our favorites and head PE was one of Dan's. And I distinctly remember there coming a period of time where I was like, man, he hasn't played head PE for a long time. Does he still like them? (laughs) And now that you mention it, it was exactly this time period. Yeah. We've talked about how live performances can make a break a band in our opinion. And that show, I mean, I I had seen them three or four times prior to that show, but that show pissed me off so much that I I literally didn't want to listen to them for uh, a couple years, obviously. I didn't listen to them until the album uh, that came out in 2010, Truth Rising, came out. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, no joke, one of the things that got me back into it is there's a song on on Truth Rising called Stand Up featuring LeJean Witherspoon, and it is a fantastic song. Oh, man, it is such a great song. We do love when people feature LeJean. Yes. And so, you know, I kind of got back into them and, and like started realizing that their last four albums, Back to Basex, which all came out on Suburban Noise. It's kind of their newest record company that they signed with in 2006. Uh, they came out with Back to Basex on 2006, Insomnia 2007, New World Orphans in 2009, and Truth Rising in 2010. So they're a very, very busy band in the four years that I didn't like them. And uh, <laughs> and they actually put out some really good stuff. Like there was a couple of songs that back to basex, like Sophia was one of the best singles that they have. Beware do we go? Insomnia had some really good songs like Suffa and uh, New World Orphans had Renegade, one of their most popular singles of all time. So it was kind of funny. Like 
I, I started like rediscovering them. I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have given up on them so quickly. <laughs> you know, I like whenever I rediscover a band that I had let go of. It's it's nice whenever they come back. Well, and then the funny thing is, so I get into them in 2010 and then they kind of go on a hiatus and I'm just like, what the hell? I was just ready for you guys to come back. Yeah, because <laughs> they didn't put out another album until Evolution in 2014. And, and that was like a reggae album. I was just getting ready to say they kind of switched up their style and uh, he started incorporating the uh, melodica a lot more. Well, and I think it kind of has to do with something that I was talking about a little bit earlier is that, you know, he's lived a a fast life. Uh, Obviously, you can tell by his lyrics, but in that fast life, he has destroyed his voice. Mm. And so I think that he's kind of had to reimagine himself and trying to you know, still be relevant and, and find a way to, to make his voice work. And, and I think that that was kind of the next step is the evolution. That's why the album name works so well. And, and honestly, that was a great album too. Like it was just unexpectedly good. I didn't expect them to be so good at playing reggae music. <laughs> so I, I do want to hear more about what Casey was saying about this, this melodica, but, uh, and, and I can definitely understand the idea of, of reggae being a natural element to their sound to Dan's point um, about this man's voice. If you listen to broke and then you listen to class of 2020, which are kind of intended to be companions to each other. He is totally shot at this point. Yeah. yeah. He, he sounds, I don't know in, in broke. He has kind of his singing, singing ish voice, his rappery voice. And then he kind of has his growly voice by class of 2020. It's, like everything kind of sounds like that growly thing, but it's not that he's necessarily sounding like he's trying to growl. Just it just sounds, <laughs> it's just you, when somebody smokes for 40 years, it's kind of that kind of thing. And they just kind of sound gravelly all the time, no matter what. I don't necessarily th- think it was just that too. I also think that it's the way that he screams. If you remember correctly, David Draymond had vocal surgery a couple, like a, almost ruined his career because of the way that he screamed. He had to relearn how to sing. And I don't yeah. think, I don't think that Jared ever really learned how to scream properly, so to speak. And so you can blow out your voice entirely. And especially you've been doing it for 20, 25 years. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, you, you listen to this and, and it's, he's, I'm not going to lie. He's pretty rough to listen to. There are a couple songs in class of 2020, especially towards the end that I kind of enjoy, but, um, it, he's a lot easier to listen to earlier on. And in this one, he just, he sounds kind of like a, a ranting and raving old uncle or something who has definitely seen some stuff, but has also like drank so much whiskey that he can't not have gravel in his voice. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty, that's what he sounds like to me. Yeah. Well, on, on their 2019 album stampede that kind of came out of nowhere, but uh, on that particular album, he uses a lot of auto tune stuff, which it sounds good the way they used it, but it's just, it's unique because his voice is gone basically. So he's compensating by using technology on it on that one. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Like I said, he had to reinvent himself. I mean, with evolution in 2014, every kind of album since then has been a new way of reinvent, reinventing his, his way of singing or trying to, you know, just sound good. And, you know, I will say that, was it 2014 when we saw them with Alien Ant Farm? Yes. So, you know, cause I will say that he did sound pretty good back then live. I mean, you could definitely tell that his voice wasn't the same as what it was. There's, right. That was evident, but he did, you know, he still did 
put his all into it and still put on a great show. Yeah. And like I said, he was incorporating the melodica a lot more, which is basically it's more or less a harmonica, but it it looks like a keyboard with a, with a tube sticking out of it with a a reed at the end. And it, it sounds like a cross between a harmonica and a accordion. And it's kind of like a staple point in all reggae music. Yeah. Augustus Pablo popularized it in the 1970s, and more recently, John Batiste is very famous for using it as, in his music as well. It just when when they had the more prominent reggae phase of their career, this when they he busted that out pretty much in almost every song, almost. You know, we talked last week about we kind of threw out I threw out the suggestion of I think it would be cool to hear 311, you know, like add some horns somewhere in terms of of their future sound. I think, honestly, reggae might be the thing to stick with for a band like Head B.E. If his voice is as shot as it is to, to really pull off the rapping and screaming as well as he used to, I think that's one reason. For two, reggae is a genre where you can be both intimate and political kind of pretty well at the same time. And um, like as Dan mentioned earlier, like, Jared sometimes is at his best when he's being a little more like personal and introspective, but he's, he's also a dude who wants to rant and rave about the system and that kind of thing. And to be honest, a number of the songs I've heard where he does that, they just come across as silly. <laughs> like, like I think of like, if you, if you just want to go head to head. So, you know, no pun intended for like a political, like <laughs> rap rock band. If you compare like Jared's lyricism versus like Rage Against the Machine <laughs> as, as the, the pinnacle, but still, that's, you, it's kind of an unfair comparison, but OK. Well, that's what I mean is because no, I, I feel like, like Zach does it so much better in being pointed in what he's saying and throwing out these historical references and all this stuff. Yeah. Where I feel like like Jared just doesn't I can't take him as seriously is kind of what I'm saying when it comes to that kind of stuff. But maybe if he weren't ranting and raving with like the, the like punk and metal behind him as much, maybe if it were a little bit more on that reggae side where it might be, it's maybe it's slower. Maybe his lyrics are a little bit allowed to be more poetic rather than being more, you know, punk and rap. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just throwing out a hypothesis. Maybe that's a sound that could work for them going forward, like perpetually. Yeah. A lot of stuff that he's used on the last couple albums have just been like clips of like, Think of like a 50s film with talking about bomb shelters or something. Yeah, like yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's something I could see as being a kind of a cool, a useful weapon in their arsenal. Well, and, you know, speaking to your point of, of reggae being the way to go. And I, for one, I, like I said, I was genuinely surprised at how well that they made it work. But, you know, there's some reggae artists, too, that that don't have great voices and are still well-known reggae artists like yellow man, for instance, comes to mind. Dude doesn't have a good voice at all. And (laughs) he is still one of the most successful and well-known artists because his voice is so distinctive and it just works Mm. for what he, what he does. You think even, even Jared with lifelong smoker voice could pull off a, a a reggae singer. Cause I think there is also something whenever you get to that point where you are kind of gravelly, it makes you sound like weathered and worn. Like it, like you said, it makes you sound like you've been through some stuff. So it, it almost gives you like a, th- makes you sound like you have authority. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I'm going to listen to that guy's stories because I believe that he's lived them out. 
Well, and they use the melodica in a couple, in a, I believe a couple of songs on the new album, Class of 2020. And, you know, th- that was actually one of the things I think I loved about the album, Class of 2020, is that, you know, you said it was kind of supposed to be paired or, or, you know, relevant to Broke, but I honestly thought it was like a compilation of all their sounds throughout their entire career. Yeah, yeah. he's been he's been quoted as saying that it's more of a a retrospective as they had Broke and then they're still here after 20 years. So it's kind of a compilation of everything. Yeah, and I mean, I couldn't tell you exactly like which song sounds like what album, but the, every time I was listening to it, all of their albums, especially the four that I mentioned from like 2006 to 2010, they all kind of have their own distinct, unique sound. And even like Evolution and Stampede and Forever, they all have their unique sounds. And so there's there's no doubt that when I was listening to Class of 2020, I was like, oh, this song reminds me of, uh, you know, whatever album. And, you know, because like the first song, I will say that that is very reminiscent of Broke, the song called uh, First Blood. And, uh, you know, as you go on, like the song Greedy Girl reminds me of something that would definitely be on Evolution. Greedy Girl was probably one of my favorites on there. It got a little bit weird because it goes almost (laughs) six minutes long. Right. And I don't really know why. I, I didn't mind the fact that it was six minutes long. The thing that bothered the crap out of me is it should have been the last track. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> it felt like a last track. It should have. I mean, when you're sitting there saying goodbye and then you're like, oh, wait, there's still three more tracks. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. What the hell? Also uh, of note, it's a song that features uh, the return of longtime band member Chizad. And I just wanted to make sure that I got to include the mention of the name Chizad <laughs> in this episode he was their rhythm guitarist from 94 to 2002 and he's so been gone for a while but he makes an appearance on this one so it's kind of cool that not only are they doing like a retrospective of their career but they also have multiple tracks that feature people from like previous eras in in the band's career yeah and then one of my favorite tracks off of class of 2020 is interestingly enough the nothing lasts forever the bout of c19 it's a good song I will say you guys are touching in on 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 my favorite favorite tracks. I think nothing lasts from Greedy Girl, nothing lasts forever, and then the one before those, Old Times Sake. That for me, from listening to this album a few times, is the sweet spot of the album, which is interesting because it comes near the very end. It's not uh, they're doing the opposite of what we talked about last week with the Bush album. You know, the funny thing that I was I was thinking when I was uh, listening to this album is that it's really funny to me that when we were doing our radio show, I would always listen to an album and try to think of, okay, what songs can I play on the radio? And now that we're not doing that, it's more actually listening to it to enjoy the album. It's, it's kind of a great feeling to be honest. <laughs> You're not doing it for, uh, for, for work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cause that was the thing with head B. Like that, it's one reason why I hated only in America. And that's actually the only album we've never played anything on our radio show from, because I'm not going to spend the time editing it. It's just not, a, it's not worth it. It's, it's a waste of my time. And that's why I say that there are some times when your profanity goes too far. Yeah. Right. If we can't edit you, then you really need to expand your vocabulary. Well, well and if the edits take up 80% of the song. Yeah. If you sound like you're coming in and out of a phone call and like cutting out, then we can't <laughs> play that. That's not okay. 
Yeah, and I kind of had a, a limit. Like, it, it, you know, the song has to be really, really good for me to edit like more than six curse words, really. Yeah, yeah. you have like an unofficial ratio. Like, <laughs> here's the quality level of the song versus the amount of editing I'd have to do. And if it doesn't pass the threshold, then just oh, forget it. Especially exactly. if all six of those cuss words was in the chorus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, it would have to be a really damn good song if they were in yeah. the chorus. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair point. Can I just point out, I want to I ask you guys something related to this band. I'm, I'm looking at all of their album covers lined up right now. Um, and so I can see all of that. You guys may or may not have that luxury at the moment. But nonetheless, what would you say, because I'm very interested in album art. I think that the visual appearance of an album is a big deal. What would you say is your favorite, visually, their favorite cover of a Head PE album? <laughs> they have so many different types of album covers because... I sure do. You know, every, like I said, every album kind of has its own unique sound and they all have, I think their album covers kind of express that, that feeling at that time, to be honest. Cause like, for instance, only in America was all about him ranting and, and kind of starting the, uh, nine 11 conspiracies about how it was an inside job, which is another reason why, you know, to compare it to Rachel's machine, Zach never, built his lyrics around conspiracies or bullshit like that. So like, that's a good point. They were all very much about, you know, honest historical injustices versus like maybe historical injustices. But, you know, so like that is kind of a TV and it's all about how he feels like that whole album was all about how he feels that we're being fed lies. And so insomnia, that is also kind of a album that's he's like, furthering his conspiracy things like wake up you know we're 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 not seeing the truth or hearing the truth and so i think their album covers always followed along with that because like evolution for instance that looks like a reggae album the cover of it looks exactly like it should be it's very like it's it's pretty trippy it's a little i would say reggae or something or very a psychedelic rock kind of thing i would have to say though my favorite album cover is probably truth rising it's just i don't know something about that fiery phoenix on it that one makes sense. That one's where they got like a, I don't like a, that chrome kind of look on it. Instead of just being a solid color, the logo, yeah. they kind of do a, like a chrome metal kind of look. It's interesting, but I totally get what you're saying. Like a lot of their, like, especially when you get into the conspiracy theory kind of stuff, like new world orphans totally has like a pyramid and a lot of that, like new world order kind of, kind of iconography on it. Yeah. One of the reasons I asked that question out just because out of curiosity, because as I look through them, I look at the album Stampede and I really like that cover. I think it's super cool. It's this buffalo standing in a field of flowers with the sun shining through it. The problem is it looks so not like head P- any of Head P.E.'s <laughs> other things. Yep. I look at it and I'm like, to me, this is the coolest looking album cover, but it might be one of the worst representations of this band if that makes sense if it were a different band yeah i would like it even more because it just seems weird to be a head pe album well and it even makes it weirder with like the block lettering yeah yeah the, the logo is different everything about that is totally different than all the other art they've ever done before and so even though it's probably the one i would most want to put on my wall if i had to pick one visually it totally is weird as a representation so class of 2020 being like i said that it's kind of a direct companion of broke kind of picks up that slack and goes legitimately back to what they previously look like. <laughs> yeah, except it's a skull graduating. And honestly, 
how appropriate is that for 2020 to be honest? <laughs> like, right. <yeah. laughs> like, I mean, as, as sad as it is, like it's, it, it feels really, really appropriate for this year. And if we all make it through 2020, then we'll be doing something right to begin with. So, you know, yes. fair play to them for that. <laughs> well, and it made me wonder if like the guy graduating from broke, like died. And that's what, that's what he looks like now. The, I mean, the guy from broke does have his eyes blacked out, which is also funny because the album after that was called blackout. But um, yeah, now now it's now he's dead in class have of twenty twenty. Maybe he ha, didn't survive. Have you guys ever <laughs> seen the movie Big Trouble in Little China? Yeah, the dude on Broke reminds me of the villain in that movie. <laughs> Every time I see it, that's how I always thought. I'm like, it's totally the villain, man. It's totally the villain from Big Little, Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> I gotta look this up real quick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm telling you, every time I saw that, I'm like, I don't know who this guy is, but he definitely looks like he's the villain. He's the guy from Big Trouble Little China. Well, now Broke just became a much funnier album to me going forward. Every, <laughs> You're every welcome. I, thank you. Every time I see it, that's what I'm going to think of. Is that now? <laughs> that's fantastic. If you haven't seen that movie, it's not the greatest, but it is definitely worth watching. And it's like one of my, it's like a cult favorite of mine. Movie recommendations from the itch. There you you go. get one of those every 18 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> we get a little bit of stand up comedy, a little bit of movie recommendations just here and there. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, this this is for being a band that I feel like has had such a long career. They've often been pretty, pretty far under the radar. I'm not I, I mean, in terms of pop culture or you know, radio play or soundtracks or anything. I haven't heard from Head PE for a long time, but they've clearly been doing stuff the whole time. I feel that was by choice, too. I mean, that's also part of what it's like to be indie and DIY kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. They're probably going to have a smaller overall base. Definitely more under the radar. Yeah, I, I think record company has something to do with that as well. Um, Suburban Noise is definitely a, a bigger record company, and that's why I think that those four albums were somewhat successful that they had with them but no i i i do feel that this it was by choice kind of to go underground in a sense that maybe it wasn't technically his choice but it was a choice he made that that forced it uh because you know they were popular i think they had a lot of commercial success after blackout and he just went a whole 180 with only in america and trying to push just whatever that was uh And I think because of that, like they did, they fell off the radar and like, I know they fell off my radar, but that was also because I was pissed off at them. It happens. And, you know, with rap rock in general and the things that like, so like, like this hardcore punk style has always been more of an underground thing. Like there are a lot of legendary bands there, but they're not bands that you're going to hear of mentioned in the same name as the Ramones or anything like that. And then with these guys coming out, around the time as, you know, your Lincoln parks and Limp biscuits and whatnot, you know, as that, that genre started to fade in popularity and a lot of those artists started to either fade away or transition to being something else. It also makes sense that, that head PE is, you know, not even one of the bigger artists in that realm would also struggle to maintain, I guess what you call like a cultural relevance, you know, genres come and go. Music has fashion trends too, just like, you know, clothing or anything else. And so a lot of bands can do that. Like, you know, we saw Point Fest a few years ago that had Real Big Fish. 
Yeah. Sky hasn't been popular since like 1998, but Real Big Fish is one of the best artists on the on the ticket. <laughs> I, I thought their show was fantastic. Yeah. They were so much fun. They always have been fantastic, man. Yeah, you can. So you can have a career and you can be really good at what you do. And and even whenever, you know, your day in the sun is kind of coming and going. So here, here's my question for both of you guys. Hmm. Do you think that this album, Class of 2020, automatically gets the number 20 spot of the top 20 <laughs> of 2020? <laughs> for me, it's an honorable mention on account of its name and on account of them doing sort of a... Uh, an album that that it directly visually ties into the one that brought him to the table. <laughs> I don't like it enough to do a whole lot with it, other than the few songs that I mentioned earlier. I mostly just but. think it'd be hilarious just to put it at twenty, just to say twenty that many times. <laughs> so yeah, and Headpiece been one of my favorite bands. I mean, like I said, there was like five years where I didn't care for them, but um, I I absolutely love this album. I I thought it was it was so awesome to kind of have all of their sounds in one album and just feel like I was going through their discography all in, all in one album. I would push for it to be a little bit higher than 20, but uh, <laughs> you know, we, we run the show like a democracy, so it might not be my, my choice, but to wrap up the talk on class of 2020, one of the reasons why I absolutely love this album and would push for it to be higher than number 20 is because I felt that, and, and honestly, the last four or five albums from Head P has shown that Jared has grown as an artist and, and as a man, personally. Uh, and you can kind of tell that when we saw him back in 2014. And I actually it was really funny because it was also with Alien Ant Farm, who that dude also was much more mature. The lead singer of Alien Ant Farm, I can't remember his name, but Mitch something. Yeah. Bitch Mitch is what he called himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think it's Mitch. I think it's. I think that's just what he said on our liner that he recorded for us. It's Dryden Mitchell. Okay. Uh, yeah. So when we recorded a liner, he he wanted it to rhyme with the itch. And he said, hey, this is Bitch Mitch and you're listening to the itch. So it was just, it was perfect. Best liner. Best liner we've got so far. It, it really was awesome. But no, it was, <laughs> you could just tell that at the time that those artists had matured in the sense that a lot of the misogynic, misogynist talk that Jared used to do in the older albums you can't really find too much of that anymore. Like he's really kind of grown up. And I know that a lot of that probably has to do with becoming a parent because your priorities change and your whole outlook on life really changes. But I think that this album was kind of a compilation of, of him growing as an artist and trying to just do the best he could with what he has. Cause as we stated, he doesn't really have a voice anymore, but there's still times where he, you know, can s scream his heart out and he does that on this album. And so I felt like he, it was one of the first albums in a long time that he just, he gave it his all. Now, if this is their last album, let's say that it is because as Casey mentioned, there's a lyric on stampede that suggests that it will be. Although I, I actually doubt it. Yeah. I don't, if it is their last album, would you say that they're, that this, this is a great goodbye, a good way to go out aside from maybe the song that says goodbye, not being the last song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would. I mean, it would it would devastate me because I, I really do like this band and I've really gotten into them a lot more since they've rejuvenated themselves since 2014. I would I would hope that maybe they just decided to redo and, and try to maybe try another genre. Who knows? Like going to going to country music. Who knows? Like whatever. <laughs> maybe they need some horns. I'm just gonna from now on just suggest that every band turn into a ska band just for fun. <laughs> Static X. I want some horns on the next one. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, it would devastate me that this would be the last album. I don't think that's going to be the case because I think that they've kind of had recent success with their most uh, with their last couple albums. But yeah, I mean, who knows? Some at some point, you know, it could be in a situation like Bush. Maybe he wants to become more of a family man. And I can definitely respect whenever somebody, an artist grows up. I mean, after, like we said, after listening to some of those earlier songs and just how kind of just honestly nasty he was in some of them. Yeah. Um, it's refreshing when people not not necessarily mellow with age, but mature with age, especially whenever they own it and apologize. I know there are some artists out there who actually looked at some of their old songs and they'd be like, we don't sing this anymore because this just is too far from being a representation of what we believe in who we are now. So we kind of like retire some songs. And so I, I don't know. I respect that kind of thing. Well, and if there was ever a year to try to get top, get on top of, you know, your past mistakes, it would be this year. <laughs> if we want to get out ahead of them. I mean, yeah. it's because uh, people are certainly going to be merciless with you if you haven't acknowledged them yourself. Well, and then, you know, the other thing is, I, I think that he's even grown smarter with his political talk, like the song We the People. I felt that was probably their best political song they've ever put together, to be honest. Yeah, hmm. that was a, that was another favorite uh, track of mine on this album. So that's that's one reason why I really did like this album. I thought it was just it was if it was his end game, I, I could definitely tell it, it was. He definitely has grown as an artist, and I think that this was his his perfection as as best as he could do. So we'll hope that this isn't the last of Head PE, but if it is, you know, kudos to them on on graduating well in the class of 2020 <laughs> how about them apples yeah well i hope you've enjoyed our take on class of 2020 by head p and a retrospective of their last 20 years of albums and artist work so thank you very much for listening to the itch rock matters my name is dan i'm casey and i'm aaron and until next time rock on if you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend about the show. We've got plenty of links in the show notes to continue the conversation, including the episode's playlist. And you can interact with us on Twitter, Facebook, or through Gmail, all at NitchRocks, I-T-C-H-R-O-C-K-S. If you don't believe your vote counts, that's bullshit.